Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, January 9th, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. We'll go ahead and tell you right now that the Ceasefire text line is wide open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Yesterday on Sports Talk Mississippi, we threw a poll question out. It was the second poll question of the day, and the question was simple. How would you feel about Mike Leach as the head coach at Mississippi State? 1,753 of you voted, and it was dead even. 50% for, 50% against. Well, I put on Twitter a little while ago on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, I assume that the result of this poll from yesterday would be a little bit different if it was asked again today, because Mike Leach is now the head football coach at Mississippi State. Brian Haydad, wow. I thought we were going to come in today and get to talk about the, the great wrestling show I, w- I went to last night. But no, no, we'll talk about this instead, I guess. Yeah. We talked wow, about wrestling about yesterday. Right. We'll not talk about it today, probably. I, I heard y'all were talking about it without me. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, very, very surprising. Got a tip. Uh, earlier today that, you know, maybe I should be at the airport. I had the times wrong, evidently. Uh, but we, me and uh, my good friend Joel Coleman from the Thunder Lightning Podcast were out there, and uh, Mike Leach was going to be the guy, which, you know, when I woke up this morning, I did not expect. I thought State might go a different way. I thought State would make the move today. I, I felt like it, it was coming to an end. But um, for Mike Leach to be the guy, very surprising. But John Cohen, you know, Took up some flack in this uh, in this coaching search for for some reason. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of giving him any criticism. I thought the coaching search was handled about as well as he could have hoped for, considering the the timing of it. Uh, and he went out and, and nabbed a power five head coach with no you know real baggage from a, a successful program. That that's a pretty good move for Mississippi State. We talked about you know when Moorhead's let go. It's a new day for Mississippi State because they're firing a coach with a winning record, two straight balls, two straight egg bowl wins. And then this is like a further uh, example of that. They got a they got the kind of coach that I would I would say that when they hired Joe Moorhead and when they hired Dan Mullen, they could not have gotten. I would agree with that. Um, why do you think this was intriguing to Mike Leach? Well, intriguing he, he, he to the point out, that he know, said yes, ultimately. I think at the end of the day, you know, and I, I read his quote, uh, about you know deeper recruiting pool and and bigger resources, which is it's interesting to hear Mississippi State defined as the school with bigger resources. That's not usually the case, but I think at the end of the day he was ready for an opportunity in the SEC. I think he was pretty close to that a couple of seasons ago in Tennessee, and that sort of got away from him. And I, I guess he felt like this was the right fit, the right time. And uh, you know we're gonna hear that word fit a lot, I would imagine. 
Um, and I, I think this just it felt like the opportunity where I don't say it was one he couldn't pass up, but I think Mississippi State made him a very strong offer uh, and uh, put him in a position where he felt like he could be su- successful. You know, it's interesting to me. You, you mentioned fit, and you said that John Cohen will talk about that most likely. He talked about it a week ago when he kind of laid out his plan for going to try and find a new coach. He talked about fit and culture and discipline. I don't remember if he used the word toughness or not, but you, you hard edge know that was the term. Yeah, hard edge. I don't know if all of those boxes were necessarily checked in terms of hiring Mike Leach, because he is culturally and from a fit standpoint a lot different than what you generally think of when you think of Mississippi State. Yeah. What I said on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, which Joel and I just recorded one, and it's up right now uh, f- for you guys, uh, But I, and I stole this from a, everybody's good friend, Houston Nutt, who is a fine human being. Please don't sue me. But I, I sort of took one of his quotes, and I said, I spell fit. W-I-N. You know, what, nice. what about Dan Mullen was a great fit uh, for Mississippi State prior to his arrival? He's from New Hampshire. He probably had never even been in the state of Mississippi beyond coaching football games. But he won, so he fit. Joe Moorhead sure. was a guy that, you know, when you first first heard from him, you thought, wow, this guy has a blue-collar background. And a lot of his background sounds like a Mississippi State fan. I thought he was, you know, a good fit in, you know, summer of 2018. But he didn't win enough. And then he had the other problems, so he's no longer a fit. Fitting is all about winning. Coaches who fit, win. win. Coaches who win, fit, is the way I'm going to look at it. it. It'll make for some interesting press conferences, and I think you're probably right. Some of the things we've said about you know, when things aren't going the, the right way or when recruiting isn't the way you want it to be, and he's up there talking about you know what kind of wax he likes to use on his tires, people will probably get a little upset. But I think from a fit standpoint, as long as he's winning, nobody's going to complain about anything. You know, one of the things that that is fascinating to me over the course of, let's just say the last 20 years, maybe it's a longer sample size even than that, but Mississippi State, when it has been successful, has been synonymous with good defense, a, Mm -hmm. a, a strong running attack, big time running backs that have run hard and have been physical, and then kind of mixing things up through the air some as well. But but the, the mm-hmm. biggest characteristics for the Mississippi State teams that, that stand out in people's minds have been physical football teams that run the ball well and that play good defense. That's not what traditionally Mike Leach teams do. There were 130 teams that played FBS football this year. In terms of rushing offense, yards per game, Washington State was 129th. They averaged 61.8 yards per game. However, they were first in terms of passing yards, 430-something yards per game. I had that up just a second ago. So they led the country in passing offense, but were next to last in rushing offense. And their defense was in the 110 range or so in total defense. How long is it going to take for people to get used to that style as to as opposed to the style that they've seen Mississippi State fans have seen in the past with their most successful teams? The term I used in my article at supertalk.fm is paradigm shift. And that's what this is. 
everything. Yeah. You, you, your daddy's Mississippi State in every way was sort of dead and buried today. Uh, State is going to be. I mean, State's going to be a passing team. We talked about MSU having a 500-yard receiver. They haven't had one since 2016. They'll probably have one six or seven games into the season in 2020, just because they're going to throw the football. It's it's going to happen. Somebody's going to have to catch it. So it's as far as how long it will it take. I imagine there'll be some people who will be like, ah, I just don't know if about this this system. And then if he starts off four and zero next year, nobody's going to care. This offense in the SEC. Yeah, that's a, that's a um, concern. Well, and I mean, you, you you think about it. Mike Leach was offensive coordinator for How Mummy at Kentucky back mm-hmm. in the Tim Couch day. So you're talking late '90s. Tim Couch went on to uh, you know kind of rewrite the record books in terms mm-hmm. of passing offense. But they didn't. I mean, they won, but they didn't win super big. And then it kind of played out. He left. He put up big numbers offensively at Texas Tech. Their best season was an 11 and two year. They had an 11 and two year last year at Washington State. And in all of those instances, it's been about throwing the football, throwing the football. Now, college football and football in the SEC has evolved. You said not your daddy's Mississippi State. Well, this was not your daddy's LSU. The last couple right. of years have been not your daddy's Alabama. Georgia's kind of the only stu- team that's still doing what, what daddy did or, or what daddy watched. So the league as a whole has kind of evolved offensively. So does that mean anything? I, I don't know if this is like a, the next step. Like if you're going to see SEC teams doing this kind of thing going forward, I doubt that because I think that in the South, there's just so many good running backs that teams are going to still want to run the football. Uh, but for Mississippi State, like I said, this is just sort of a, a new day for them, and there's going to be a lot of questions about how this offense will react against SEC defenses. You know, at first glance, you think about the speed that's on defense in the SEC, and you, and you and you have to wonder about that. By that same token, and this is something I've been saying for the past few weeks on podcasts and here, wherever anybody would ask me, you know, State's got some guys in this recruiting class coming up, and they've got some guys on their roster playing defense that I won't be completely surprised to see them get their first looks on offense now. The first guy that pops into my head is somebody like Marcus Murphy. Great safety, but he was a a true difference maker at West Point High School with the ball in his hands. Yeah. The state looked to move him. A guy like Janari Dean at South Panola, a big offensive weapon for them. Everybody had him pegged in at safety. I bet he gets a look at receiver now. He's an early enrollee. So... Things are going to change for Mississippi State in a big way. I don't know that it changes the conference very much, but State got a winner at head coach, and I think above all else, that's probably the most important thing. We will spend tons of time with you this afternoon on this topic, and in fact, we might even open up the phone lines to you coming up in just a little while. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, Thursday afternoon edition. In the next, well, if it hasn't happened yet, in the next couple of minutes, a plane landing with uh, John Cohen. And Mike Leach is coming to Starkville. New head coach at Mississippi State. The Pirate, Mike Leach. We will be right back. Just a few friends. Ceasefire text line 601 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Oh, Jimmy Buffett is theme music. That's kind of got a new edge to it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I was uh, just loading uh, the out for the opening segment. Uh, a pirate looks at 40. It's the only pirate mm-hmm. anything we have in the system. And I figured we haven't had a Buffett day in a while. What a better day to do it than today. Today seems to be a, uh, a good day for that. Hey, Dad, there, uh, you know, when, when coaching searches are going on, athletics directors have to uh, fly around covertly sometimes and they're trying to stay off flight tracker radars. It's rare that uh, a coaching search spends as much time in Key West as this one apparently had to spend. Oh, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend a, a coaching search in Key West or, or anywhere, I'm sorry, Key West seems like a pretty good place to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like a pretty good spot. Although John Cohen didn't look like he was dressed for the occasion. I mean, he was he was long pants and like a golf shirt and a pullover and a sport coat on top of that. He had to be like sweating like crazy, maybe for multiple <laughs> reasons. But uh, a man needed some uh, some flip flops and shorts because my guess is that's what Mike Leach was wear- wearing while they were talking. If I had to guess, yeah, you're probably right. But you know, there had been some. Uh... You know, I'd done my, 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 my due diligence on the flight tracking and, and things of that nature, and there had been some reports that he was down in Florida. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I thought Mike Leach was – I don't know long shot's the right word. I just didn't – I. if we go back to that word fit again, I just didn't see that for Mississippi State because my first concern with him is what are you doing next year? Because I don't know that you've got a Mike Leach quarterback on the roster. Now, maybe – you know, is the true freshman Will Rogers going to be that guy? But when I look at Schrader or Thompson and Maiden, I'm not seeing guys that, that make me think, yeah, they could light it up for 40, 50 passes. So just for me, I didn't think that Mississippi State would go that route. But what do I know? At what point did you believe this was real? Uh, about 11.30 today. Okay. So, when I mean, I was, it was that far along. When I got – yeah, when I got – I'll tell you this. I went, like I said, I got a tip about going to the airport. I didn't. It didn't say anything about who the person was. It said, "This is happening." I was like, "Okay." So I went up there, and I, like I said, it was me and uh, my friend Joel. We're sitting there, and I, I, I get, I pull up, and I texted my wife. I was like, "Hey, I am here at the airport. Don't tell anybody, but I'm, I'm, I'm staking this out." You know, big, big J journalism happening here. And uh, I get in the, the truck with Joel. And I'm just like, all right, so it's 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 Cohen and Sarkeesian coming. He's like, no, no, it's Cohen and Leach. And uh, mm. he showed me what he had as far as as evidence went. And uh, he just didn't have he just if he said it he's he didn't have an, enough to feel totally comfortable making the uh, breaking the story. But we, we I was aware that it was going to be Mike Leach before Pete Thamel. I just didn't have enough confirmation to put it out. Yeah. But that's you know I don't want to play like you know sour grapes or anything. No, I'm with you. Um, so yeah, but I, I I didn't I didn't know it was Leach until about eleven thirty or so this this morning, I guess you could say, uh, and then like I said, everything started happening after that. King Biscuit says for a quarterback with Leach, the transfer portal may now help. I think what that's going to help with wide receivers too. Yeah, that's that's it, Rippy. Yeah, that they they need to go get some receivers in the transfer portal more than anything else. Sup, by the way. Hey, sorry, left a charger, grabbed the wrong charger. Not not a great start to the day. Jason says, okay, why can Schrader or KT not do this offense? Geez, do I need to come teach a class? Jason's been not an accurate enough passer. Hard on us lately. Well, I mean, 
Thompson's just not an accurate enough passer, period. This, this is an offense that requires an accurate passer. Keaton Thompson is not that. We'll see if Schrader can be. He was certainly more accurate than Thompson was as a freshman. Um, but Schrader was recruited to be a guy, you know, sort of a run, a running quarterback, and that's not what this offense is built on. So, I mean, if you if you look at Garrett Schrader and Gardner Minshew, are they the same guy? No, they are not. And that's Minshew has been as successful as anybody in this offense. Yeah, maybe the biggest success story that uh, Mike Leach had a quarterback, and he's had some good ones. I mean, look, you you think back to the time at Texas Tech, you had Graham Harrell, you had B.J. Simons, you had some other guys that put up really, really Cliff big. Kingsbury? Yeah, Kingsbury was with Leach, wasn't he? It was a carrot, maybe for one year. Wasn't Kings? Didn't Kingsbury play Eli in Oxford? Yes. Let's see. Here. That would have been 2002. Was he part, so he was part of the no, Spike three, Dykes then? Three, excuse Two, me. 2003, which was Mike Leach. Pretty sure. Well, no, because uh, he was in the pros at 20, 2003. So. Do what now? Kingsbury was? According to what I'm looking at, Kingsbury was in the pros in 2003. Yeah, well, Mike Leach. Who's two, then? Okay, I got to do it. But Leach was there 2000 to 2009. Tim and Tupelo, C Spire Text Line. I'm not sure that either State or Ole Miss will have an above 500 record this coming season with either of these new coaches. Oh, what? Mike Leach and I share a birthday. Do you know? According to Wikipedia. There you go. So Ole Miss or State seven and five or better. I mean that would be above five hundred. We'll see. I, I think on the Mississippi State side of things, because you know that the way the Mississippi State schedule has been built, it has been built for bowl eligibility. Uh that's changed a little bit in having to schedule a power five opponent every year. And that power five opponent this coming season is NC State. That's a road game in week number two. You know Kentucky's on the uh, on the schedule every year. Who's the other team from the East this coming season for Mississippi State? State hosts Missouri. Okay. So new coach there. Mm-hmm. And so we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Egg Bowl week will be a war of quotes. You know, everybody's been like, "Oh, I can't wait! I'm here for the press conferences this year with Leach and with Kiffin." Lane Kiffin doesn't say a lot, does he? Very bottled up. I think some folks may be disappointed on that front if they are anticipating this like war of words back and forth uh, between those two. Now, Leach, on the other hand, he says some stuff. Different types of eggs. William in Greenville says, I made a bet with a friend and told him that I would become a member of the Bulldog Club if Mississippi State hired Mike Leach. Now I have to ante up. Pay up. He says belly up. John Cohen appreciates your money, sir. Uh, here's one honest question. Is 36 and 36 in the Pac-12 at Washington State really a winner? You said earlier a proven winner as a head coach. At Washington State, that is a very, very, very good job going he 500 in your league. Year, but he took a step back this past year. He was 3 and 6, but prior to that, going to 2015 when this program sort of took off under him, 6 and 3, 7 and 2, 6 and 3, 7 and 2. Yeah, that's fine. At Washington Will State, he be given the amount of time to make it work? Because I believe what we talked about yesterday was he had a yes. second three and nine season in his third year at Washington State. Obviously, probably not quite yeah. the rebuild here, but will he be given enough time? 
That's the question. I would imagine so. I would imagine he wouldn't have he wouldn't have jumped ship from what had to be a very uh, comfortable job unless he felt like he was you know going to be able to. You know, Moore had talked about I need to rebuild the program. This another this is this is going to be a this is going to be a real rebuild because you have to change the personnel you have right now. Everything sort of has to change for Mississippi State. So for if if Leach didn't get those kind of assurances from John Cohen, I'd be really really surprised. I was trying to pull up the salaries from across the country and see exactly where Mike Leach was last year. So at Washington State, he was making four. Three point seven five million. His total compensation for twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, the buyout was four point nine million, and his total compensation was three seven five. So probably north of four million. Oh, I would imagine so. I, I, the thing I saw today had him at, had a, a renegotiation of his contract at at, a, at four million a year. Well, they had they had tentatively negotiated an extension, a one year extension to his deal, so that may have changed it. But the USA Today salary database for 2019, so for this past season, uh, according to to what the list that USA Today put together, he was the 33rd highest paid coach in the country at 3.75 million. Um, that was 12 spots higher than Matt Luke at 3.1 million. And 15 spots higher than Joe Moorhead at three million fifty thousand. All right, I would imagine so he's it, north of four at this point. Yeah, um, guys that made four million dollars on the dot this past season: Justin Fuente, Ed Ogeron, he's got a raise coming. Lovey Smith at Illinois, Chad Morris at Arkansas. So you had 31 coaches this past season that in terms of salary going into the year were $4 million or more, uh, led by Dabo Sweeney's $9,255,000 salary. Sports Talk Mississippi will take a quick timeout. Be back with you with a whole lot more. First pictures of Mike Leach coming from the Starkville Airport. Cowbell in hand. Maroon, Mississippi State uh, pullover. And uh, he's high-fiving and fist-bumping people. Hey, Dad, we don't have any confirmation yet as to whether or not he has referenced ring sizes or trophy cases, do we? No confirmation, and uh, we're, we're hopeful that we won't get that confirmation. <laughs> You think before they got off the plane, John Cohen said, hey, just... Um, I swear to God, I'll fire you today if you say it. I swear d- to God, d- that's what he said. D- do me a favor. Don't don't make any great yeah. big like sweeping promises. Just, just don't today. It didn't work out so well last time. Your life will be easier if you just smile and high-five and whatnot. Sports Talk Mississippi on Twitter is at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Borky goes with Twitter poll question number one of the day. What Pirates of the Caribbean movie is the best? Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest, At World's End, or On Stranger Tides? Never seen any of them. Really? Yeah, I've never seen any of the Pirates movies. See, because I, I thought that I was going to be the guy that says, well, I assume I would have, need to have needed to have seen at least one of those to vote in this poll. But I thought you were kind of like movie guy. 
I like movies, but I haven't seen any of those. I have done the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World, though, if that gives me any expertise. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of them. I thought the movies were average, but I do like the uh, song or whatever. Whatever that clip that Cohen tweeted out today, that song gets the blood flowing. Yeah. According to Ross Dellinger, Mississippi State donors are already receiving pre-recorded robocalls with the voice of Mike Leach on the other line telling everybody about all the points that Mississippi State is going to score. Strike while the iron is hot, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I know it's been a work day for you, and you know, you've been at the airport and then hustled over to the studio and podcast. Do you feel like you've got enough of a reaction yet for Mississippi State fans as to how they view this hire? Oh, absolutely, and it's it's highly, highly positive. Uh, you know, the it's a sort of steal from Keith Carter a little bit. You know, a few weeks ago talking about fan apathy, which I felt was very much in effect at Mississippi State, and there were talks of you know there was a two hundred page or two hundred reply thread on a message board about not renewing season tickets. I think that uh, Mississippi State fans are by and large very excited that that first game now against New Mexico becomes something you're interested in coming to see because. You haven't ever seen a Mississippi State team throw the ball 55, 60 times in one game, and now here's your chance. So I, I think MSU fans are, by and large, highly, highly on board with this hire. They're excited, and I, I think that they uh, will, will be, uh, as a way to put it, I guess, but they, they, I, I think, by and large, Mississippi State fans are very, very much on the Mike Leach. Uh, I, I won't say train. That's the Ole Miss. The boat, I guess. They're in the boat <laughs> with Mike Leach. Yeah, I mean, absolutely it's got to be a boat. Yeah. Train in Oxford, boat in Starville. Yeah, you, um, you've always got this guy. Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk MISS. Richard will put a negative spin on the show. Uh, I'm sorry, on the hire all show long. Yes. Yeah, Richard. That's what I'm trying to do today. That's what I'm trying to do. Pay no attention to the fact that we spent, I don't know, two of the three hours yesterday talking about the possibility of Mike Leach. Walk the plank, buddy. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll need to walk the plank. Hey, I don't know if you've heard of this guy or not. West Blankenship has created a pretty good online uh, profile, <laughs> and he's the guy that you may have heard a couple of weeks ago impersonating high school football broadcasters. We know without question one of the things that Mike Leach will be asked about tomorrow in his introductory press conference at Mississippi State is if he understands the importance of the Egg Bowl. And good news, we've actually already got his answer. Here it is. Do I understand the significance of the Egg Bowl? Hell, I sure hope I do. Hell, I mean, think about all the creatures on this planet that lay eggs. Chickens lay eggs, we eat those. The kids in my neighborhood used to have to fight to bring home a dozen eggs each Sunday. It's a value that's lost on this generation. It's a damn shame. Most reptiles lay eggs. Snakes and lizards lay eggs, alligators and crocodiles, they're all vicious beasts. Hell, have you seen Jurassic Park? Whole damn movie starts because of an egg. Game of Thrones, dragons, they got eggs. I don't know if you believe in science or nothing, but I think we all started out as eggs. You could argue that the Egg Bowl is the most important bowl game there is. We are literally playing for the creation of life. What more motivation do you need? Let's go play it right now. Let's get laid on the phone. We'll play it. <laughs> that That's is kind fantastic. of perfect, wasn't it? Kudos to that guy. Ah, oh man. That's 
I like to think I'm funny, and then I hear something like that, and I'm just like, I could never have come up with that. Yeah. No, that was really good. That was uh, really good. I, I don't. I will be interested to see if Mike Leach just kind of plays it straight down the middle when he's asked questions tomorrow, or if he kind of goes off on one of his tangents, as he is sometimes want to do. Hey, Dad, one of the things that happened at Washington State, and I don't know if it was like a a fan contest for an off-the-wall question of the week or if it was just kind of a thing that started with with Washington State's media, but will there be some sort of an off-the-wall question each week? And maybe more importantly, are you going to be the one to ask it? I'll definitely, you know, throw my... Uh... Throw my, my name in the hat there to, to do that. I have no problem asking the occasional off-the-wall question. Uh, I, I imagine it will happen just simply, simply because there's pressure now. There's pressure on the media here. We have a high standard to uphold uh, from the Washington State media. They did a good job getting the best out of Mike Leach. It's on us to keep that, that, that momentum going. What will your first off-the-wall question be? I mean, I, I gotta, you know, sort of see what's happening in current events at that particular moment. I would think. I don't know that, you know, there's anything, you know. I want. Is he an outdoorsman? Is he? Does he like to hunt here in Mississippi? What do you want to hunt? Would you go hunting for sasquatches? I don't know. Hmm. So you're trying to get him on Bigfoot right out of the gate. Let's do it. Yeah. Hit, let's, let's head out to the Knoxville. Would you be bold enough to ask his opinion on the uh, assassination of uh, Soleimani? That would be that. I don't know if I want to go. There. I don't. I, I don't like to delve into politics. Let's just sort of. Uh, he does. You're not. You're asking him to. I know. I I don't like. I don't like politics at all. So I, I know he does. That's maybe. Maybe I'm going to leave that for someone else. Mm-hmm. We might have some days, Richard, where on Monday I'm I'm a little late to the show because the 12:30 press conference is still going on at three o'clock. He 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 went off on a tangent, and I'm just stuck there. Video at supertalk.fm. I think the most relevant question right now, as it pertains to football, is whether or not Mike Leach is going to feel the need to adapt what he does offensively to fit the personnel at Mississippi State, or if... His offense is his offense is his offense. And if you want to play, you better jump on board and figure out a way to catch footballs. I was I was thinking about that because I was thinking about Kylan Hill, you know, who was at the airport evidently, uh to greet uh Coach Leach. And you know, he's been debating whether or not he wants to come back. The other he he tweeted out that he had made a final decision. I think he obviously was waiting on this uh on this uh search to end and find out who the head coach was going to be, is he going to come back? Because if he does decide to come back and then Mike Leach doesn't use him, or we're sort of back where we were a season ago with, or two seasons ago with Joe Moorhead, like you got this guy, SEC's leading rusher, and you're not, going to, you're not going to find a way to use him. Now, not that he can't be a good receiver, but you know the, the offense is going to flow really well with him you know, running the football. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's something to – to wonder about, you know, is, is Leach willing to say, you know, while I've got, before I can get, before I get my guys in, as I, as we change the recruiting profile of what we're looking for, do we have to have a couple of years where I, I run the ball more than I'm used to? It's, it, if, especially if Kylan Hill comes back, it seems that the answer for 2020 needs to be yes. 
King Biscuit jumps in. He says, I imagine his offensive philosophy and willingness to change it up slightly was discussed thoroughly before the hire. I'm sure it was discussed. But look, I mean, I'm sure it was discussed with Joe Moorhead. I'm sure it was discussed with Dan Mullen, you know. But I've always said a lot of coaches would rather lose their way than win somebody else's. And it will find out, you know, a little bit in about the what name Mike of long term success, though. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least what no, they, not... they perceive as long term success. Yeah. Um, somebody suggested that you ask a Florabama question. Mike in Oxford says, ask him who would win the SEC mascot battle royale. It's kind of been done already, though. Greg wants to know if he's uh, a wrestling see, yeah, fan. That's, that's... I want to know that. Ashley and Amory says, I'm a diehard Ole Miss fan, but after that Egg Bowl quote, you can't help to love that guy. Ashley, I, I, I don't mean to spoil anything. That wasn't actually Mike Leach. Don't it probably Ashley, your mirrors the mail. Yeah, probably mirrors some of the thoughts of Mike Leach, but that was actually somebody impersonating Mike Leach. I feel like I just opened the curtain and asked you to look at the man behind. I'm sorry, Ashley. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Just got a text message from a friend. Today, Richard. Is Mike Leach going to be willing to hire a good defensive coordinator and put more emphasis on physical defense? Hopefully that's something that John Cohen discussed with him about the SEC. I've seen people allude to the fact that it sounds like there's a chance that Bob Shoup will be retained. You got any kind of a gut whatsoever, any reason to believe yes or no on that at this point? Hey, Dad? No. No reason to believe either way, to be totally honest. But I, I would think Mike Leach coming in, it strikes me that John Cohen is smart enough to know that, hey, we need to, we might need to open the purse strings for a big time defensive coordinator. So shoot, I mean, shoot would fit that bill for me if he wanted to stay. But there was a lot of talk about Todd Grantham coming in as, as the head coach. He makes 1.8 a year at Florida. Would State be willing to, to bump him up to say 2 million a year? And you, you get the uh, the added privilege of his son is signing a baseball scholarship with Mississippi State next year. He could be here to watch his son play baseball. Just for me, I and mean, you're a dad too, Richard, and you know, and Borky, obviously you are too. I mean, it's, maybe that's not, maybe something you haven't you know thought about in your your short time as doing that. But that's that's a bonus. That's a perk that you know nobody else in the world could offer Todd Grantham. I'm not saying that I've heard it's Todd Grantham or anything like that. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if MSU makes a run at a big time defensive coordinator in the coming weeks. If Mississippi State talked to Todd Grantham about the head coaching job, as reports out there make it believe happened, make you believe happened, mm. it's hard for me to believe that he would come on then as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, Alex Grinch. You're probably right. Alex Grinch was um, Mike Leach's defensive coordinator a couple of years ago. Yeah, at Washington State. I didn't make that up, did I? No, you're right. Yeah, and, and left Washington State to join Lincoln Riley's staff at Oklahoma. And so I just Googled Alex Grinch just a moment ago, and I thought, wow, I wonder if you threw a whole bunch of money at him. He's making $1.4 million at Oklahoma. And the first thing I saw was a report from uh, 24-7 Sports that says, Alex Grinch, a candidate for Washington State job. Which would make Possible. sense. You want to hear? You want to hear something that would be interesting? 
sure. trying to replace an offensive sort of coach and a guy you know wants to throw the football down the field. What if I told you Joe Moorhead, Washington State head coach? I know that he's been rumored to be connected to the Oregon offensive coordinator job, but yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. It'd be funny. Just do the old swaparoo. Let's see, just swap it out. Yeah. They can swap houses and everything. Moorhead shows up that first day and just looks around all the pirate stuff in there. It'll be great. All right, hey, Dan, I know you haven't had a, a bunch of time to just, like, prop back in your lazy boy and just kind of sit there and think. I don't know how often you do that. None. Anyway, maybe when you're doing your hot Every yoga time. in the morning, you kind of use that as your thinking time. <laughs> but as you kind of mull over the last week, and particularly the last six hours, what's the thing that kind of pops into your head? I, I think that State was going to hire Joe Judge on Tuesday until the Giants made him their head coach. And I think that they were interested in Billy Napier, but he was not interested in them. And if that if those were your first two guys and Mike Leach was your third choice, which you know we'll never know for sure, obviously. But if that's the case, that is a really, really good third option. And uh, for for John Cohen to have you know had the idea that Leach was interested to to, to work it out, I think Le- I think Cohen did a, a pretty good job. There was a lot of talk about you know I, there were fans and not a fans alike saying that this coaching search was a disaster. The coaching search t- took six days, the exact same amount of time that Ole Miss's coaching search turn took. I, I thought that you know I, I thought State did a, a good job of you know getting to good candidates. I think they wanted to go with Napier. I think they were blown away by Judge. And what he offered in his interview, they were ready to make that decision, but it got taken away from them. And they came back to some, to the next group of guys and Mike Leach was t- chief among them. And I mean, if that's, that's, if that's your third guy, if that's your fallback option after this two, well, I think you did pretty well. Yeah. Amanda in Pike County, our resident LSU fan, Saints fan and whatnot. Says, guys, I don't understand the pirate reference pertaining to Leach. I know you've probably talked about it, and if you don't want to explain again, that's okay. No, it's fine. Um, Mike Leach is just a huge pirate guy. He loves the history of pirates. He's a big history guy, period. He has, if you go to his Twitter uh, profile, uh, you'll see a lot of quotes there, including the uh, the Art of War book. Uh, well, he also wrote a book called Swing Your Sword. I was getting there, but yeah. thanks. So, so you were looking at me as if till I got you were searching for something. No, you looked like you wanted to say something, so I was looking at you. And now Borky wants me to hurry and shut up. Wow. Everybody's yelling all at the same time. Let's take a time out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Just rolling into the 4 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for joining us. Didn't have to dig for it. Some days are just easier than others. Some days are more fun than others. Uh, and I guess that applies to pretty much any job on the planet. This one in particular, though, there's some days where it's uh, it's kind of easy to go about this. Obviously, Mississippi State hiring Mike Leach is the story that is dominating everybody's oh, consciousness today, 
at least in the, the state of Mississippi. And similar to similarly to when Lane Kiffin was hired at Ole Miss, it's um, it's not just Mississippi State fans that are talking about Mississippi State. It's Mississippi State fans. It's Ole Miss fans. It's other fans around the SEC. And it's kind of the entire college football media. Exactly the case it was a month ago when Ole Miss did this with uh, with Lane Kiffin. But I think you got to give pretty high grades to both Mississippi State today and Ole Miss a month ago for hiring guys that are pretty much universally applauded as a really good hire, a really good fit. There was kind of a non-reaction when Missouri hired Lyad Drinkowitz. There was a reaction when Arkansas hired Sam Pittman. And in fairness, I think Sam Pittman's put together a pretty good coaching staff. We talked about that some yesterday. But the initial reaction was, hmm? Really? Yes, sir! It was, it was punchline. It was the reaction. Yeah. It was not the case in Oxford a month ago, and it's not the case today with Mississippi State announcing the hire of Mike Leach. Borky, we've talked about this a bunch for an hour. We're going to continue to talk about it a bunch. What's your reaction? Uh, from the content creating purposes, this is like a gold mine for me. Maybe I can finally take on a couple of other projects I've always wanted to do now that planning the show is going to basically be like, let's talk about Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. Um, it's fascinating, though, isn't it? Because we have been talking about for so long, we hope somebody finds the courage to hire Mike Leach. And it just happened to be somebody right here in the state of Mississippi. And I just keep wondering how everything will translate. How, not just the offense will translate, because I think they're going to be able to score some points. By the way, I'm working on a poll right now that says which is more likely in the 2020 season in a game. Mississippi State scores more than 80 points or fewer than 10. Um, so, an offense that could score... 80? <laughs> they have New Mexico on the schedule? I don't know. Uh, they throw it 70 <laughs> times a game. I, you know, just having fun with polls, but... Oh, man. More than just the offense translating to the SEC, and specifically for Mississippi State, but how will people uh, appreciate or not appreciate the the other stuff? Because he's not a real buttoned-up guy. I mean, he may own a suit, but I have a feeling he doesn't wear it all that often. He's different. He's not your uh, yuck-it-up-at-the-country-club kind of football coach, and I mean, we enjoy the heck out of it, and our listeners seem to, but... Uh, how will it be received when they lose a game, or two, or three even? I mean, they could be replacing uh, their best running back, a couple of guys on defense, learning a new system. What happens if they lose a few games this year? And in the press conference, it's not exclusively about football. And then the recruiting class isn't in the top 25. How will that be received? Once the honeymoon period wears off and it gets real, will people be okay with the kind of guy he is because he's way out there when things aren't going very well on the football field, if they don't go very well on the football field. Your reactions on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. 
Um, any thoughts on what I said or? No, I'm just kind of letting it hang out there. But I, I mean, I I agree with you, and that's some of what we talked about yesterday. I mean, let me just go to the go to the cliche bank, right? What what is it people say? The the popcorn tastes better, the hot dogs taste better, the coke's fizzier. It's all good when you're winning. But when you're losing, the lines are too long and the hot dogs smell bad and the plastic cups aren't the right shade of maroon or the right shade of red or blue or you know whatever school you're talking about, I think that's it. But when you have a personality, and Mike Leach's personality is unique, but when you have a personality that's a little bit different, when things are going well, it's quirky, and it's unique, and it's fascinating, and it's entertaining, and when things aren't going well, it grates on your last nerve, and you want a guy that would concentrate less on Bigfoot and more on football, etc. Or at least to me, that's the way fan bases where we are in this part of the country. And I'm not saying Mississippi specifically. I'm saying kind of in the SEC footprint. It seems to be the way it is. That's what we talked about when we floated the idea of Mike Leach to Tennessee. Right? I mean, that, that was it. The, the question was, well, that's fine. He'll be fine when things are going well. But what what about when he loses three, by three touchdowns to Tennessee and wants to talk about the Loch Ness Monster? Hey, Dad, I wonder if he'll teach a class at Mississippi State. I'm going to audit it if he does. Yeah, could you he, re-enroll? He the... I mean, I can just audit it. It won't be, it won't be, it won't be, that, uh, won't be that pricey. Yeah. I don't want to re-enroll. You could probably expense it. Homework. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that would. Uh, I think tell, that would be good. To, tell the corner office I'm going to be sending them a uh, a bill. Um, Mike in Oxford. As an Ole Miss fan, I'll say it. I was hoping that they were that we talking about Ole Miss were going to hire Mike Leach. Okay, Rippy, Leach has come up for Ole Miss in the last three coaching searches. I don't think it came up very much in this one. I think he was more of a realistic candidate in 17 when the job was a little bit of a tougher sell, but I don't think they looked too hard in that direction this cycle, if at all. But, I mean, that didn't really say anything one way or another. It's different cycles, different times, whatever. Greg in Nettleton. And I think this is important. And I think it's important in Starkville, and I think it's important in Oxford. He says, I honestly believe Coach Leach will be a shot in the arm to that age group from 18 to 38. Same goes for Lane Kiffin. I believe that. You guys agree with that? I don't know if it's just 18 to 38. I think, by and large, both fan bases are excited about football again, whereas if we were going through this offseason and we were here on January 9th and it was Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke, people wouldn't be as excited. I brought it up when Kiffin was hired. I think I don't know... uh, the inner dynamics of really either place. I haven't lived in either town in a while. But that is the easiest age demographic to lose. And so engaging them I think is important because the older fans right now, the people, the age range I used was 55 and up. 
they didn't grow up on access the way that even mine and Rippy's age generation did. I mean, I still had when I was in college, we still had to pay per view some games. So it's come a long way, really, in the last five years. But that this young demographic grew up on access, so it's much easier to not go to games when the the older generation, the fifty five and up, that's how you watched your team, is you had to physically go, and once you develop that that connection and that routine, it's hard to break it. But you can easily lose eighteen to thirty. And I think Ole Miss was losing eighteen to thirty or eighteen to forty, whatever age range you want to use at an alarming rate. And if Mississippi State was going down that same path, these two hires especially re-engage that fan base that you need to connect to your university post-grad to keep them going to games because it's increasingly easier for them not to do so. And if you don't want to put an age label on it, I don't. I agree with what you said, but even just in more general terms, like with the amount of options you have viewing options ways to view things like it's more so about entertainment than anything else now like not than anything else winning ultimately determines everything like entertainment's a bigger part of it and these guys are definitely exciting and will be entertaining uh on some level like matt luke not entertaining not exciting i guess you could kind of make the same case for joe moorhead this a little bit different it's maybe a bad analogy but college football fans in general have battered spouse syndrome. You walk away when things get bad because you just can't take it anymore, but the second there's a little bit of hope, we all come running back like it never even happened because there's hope that it can be fun again. As we were going to the break, or right after we went to the break, I said to Borky, that probably was not the best analogy and if what i said uh bothered you or was offensive to you my bad not my intention i'm not even gonna revisit it we'll just move on what's the staff going to look like for leash that is from charlie on the c spire text line hey dad what's your best guess there uh, so, so a lot of new faces. I imagine you keep a couple of guys, if I had to guess, uh, who has the most likelihood of, of staying. Tony Hughes is going to be the first one just because he is such a tremendous recruiter here in the state. doesn't make any sense to send him away to for a coach who doesn't have a lot of ties down here. I would think Terrell Buckley probably sort of fits that same mold. Um, you know, a, a guy who's, who's a good recruiter and has a lot of ties here. And he's got two young cornerbacks who pretty much came here to be coached by him. I think you probably want to keep him on the staff. I think Shoop has a chance to be on uh, for sure. If they, uh, I think Shoop, Shoop is a really, really good defensive coordinator. Uh, he had a fantastic year in 2018. Obviously, he had a lot of talent, but you can't just show up and, and hope the talent gets the job done. You know, you have to coach it. Um, and then last year, when State had everybody available, the defense was was good. So if Shoop stays, I think that that's that's a very good suggestion. Offensively, I, I don't know who's going to stay. I would be surprised if anybody does, to be totally honest, just because you're talking about a completely different system. Uh, Mike Leach is going to want to find guys who are familiar with that system and know how to coach it for him. So, uh, you know, guys like Terry Richardson, Michael Johnson, Marcus Johnson, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who that guy's going to, who those guys are going to be. I don't know if those guys will stay on staff or not. I would be surprised uh, to see that. Where's the 478 area code? 
Rippy's good with the yeah, Google machine. You know, as you would expect, there's no Macon. name on this. Where? Macon. Georgia. Macon. Macon, Georgia. Oh, I should have known that. Macon, Georgia. Um, to the program director at Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, that's Will East. Will, if you're listening, listen up. This message is for you. Please approach Mississippi State about buying a time slot and having a show to counter the never-ending negative spin Richard Cross. I like it. Just in case you're not still listening, I am responding to you. Uh, You can get Will East's email address on our website, supertalk.fm. And I've read this on the air, so hopefully he's listening in the office, and we will get that message to him as soon as possible. If he doesn't hear it live and in real time, we will be sure that he can uh, can get that message. I mean, hey, Richard, I'm the other three of us. Your are, negative spin. Yeah, we've been trying to get him fired for years. <laughs> Have I been? Believe me, I've tried. Years. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't really noticed it today, though, Richard. You're like a bad penny. You always turn up. You say you have noticed it today? Uh, no, I'm saying I normally notice it all the time because you're just so over the top with it, but I haven't really noticed it today. This is what scares me with, like, I don't know, like how easy it is to get a driver's license and stuff like that is, like, what's transmitted and then go, it goes through your ears and then comes back out of your mouth. It's <laughs> like it, it frightens me sometimes. Sex line scares me sometimes. Jason says Shoops D was fine, would have been good regardless of suspensions if the darn offense had helped them catch a break. Not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stan encouraged me to really stop apologizing offense. for everything that the majority of people don't get offended. Yeah, fair enough. You should apologize for apologizing. <laughs> I apologize for apologizing. What are the what are the angles that we need to be looking at? I, I, here, here's honestly. Not that you care one way or the other, but I've tried to figure out if there are different ways that we can come at the exact same story. Because, I mean, if we just say, yeah, Mike Leach landed at the airport today and he's going to have a press conference tomorrow and here's what he did at Washington, that, that, that's fine. There are lots of places you can get that, I'm sure. But I'd like for us to try to keep coming at different angles to talk about the exact same thing. So, hey, Dad, what are we missing? The The, the rise of Mike Leach is his path to where he is now at Mississippi State, most recently at Washington State, is fascinating because it's a little bit different. It wasn't go coach under Nick Saban and wait until your name's hot so that you can go get a big-time job without paying your dues. He's really worked his way to this point under a lot of different guys for a long period of time. At obscure places. Yeah. yeah, was it? Uh, just read a just read a story about him from uh, from uh, Andy Staples talking about his time at Valdosta when he was you know working in Division Two. He basically you know the coaching tree he comes from is Hal Mummy, and you know there was a time where Hal Mummy was one of the hottest coaches in the country, and he ran what was at the time a completely innovative offense and took a, sort of a similar situation. Took I guess not too similar because Kentucky was really bad. When Hal Mummy took over, but they had never been a winner, and he turned immediately had them not only winning, but they played an exciting brand of football. And Mike Leach was a part of that. Then he goes to Oklahoma and coaches with Mike Stoops, and I'm sorry, with Bob Stoops, and then he's the head guy at Texas Tech after that, and has just one of you know been able to keep his job because he wins. He wins everywhere he goes. 
one of the I don't mean this in a bad way. One of the athletics uh, favorite stories to sponsor is one that I don't remember. It may have been Bruce Feldman, like to put out where it just comes across whether you're following it or not. Is somebody's first staff at Valdosta State, and it had like like six, seven, eight Division One head coaches, future Division One head coaches on it, and has like the team photo. It's pretty gr- pretty good. Leach is one of them. Amanda asked the question earlier about what's the whole pirate thing about with Mike Leach. Mm. He has, I don't know if it's lifelong, but an enduring fascination with 18th century pirates such as Blackbeard and Calico Jack. This is, I mean, this is coming from his Wikipedia page. Leach has lectured his players so on the history of the pirates. Best information. Well, I, I know, but I mean, I never I failed a class in college things. using it. Leach has uh, lectured his players on the history of pirates and told them before games to swing their swords, which incidentally was the name of the book that he wrote, which was New York Times bestseller. His office has been described as a museum of pirate paraphernalia. He admires the teamwork exhibited by pirates. This quote is credited to Mike Leach. Pirates function as a team. There were a lot of castes and classes in England at the time, but with pirates it didn't matter if you were black, white, rich, or poor. The object was to get a treasure. If the captain did a bad job, you could just overthrow him. Also, in the personal life section of uh, Mike Leach's Wikipedia page, Leach spends time during each offseason pursuing non-sport interests. Besides pirates, he has studied topics such as Native American leader Geronimo, American pioneer Daniel Boone, grizzly bears, chimpanzees, whales, and American artist Jackson Pollock. Which is unique to me. He's a renaissance man. Of sorts. It is yeah. unique in the coaching world. Because, hey, Dad, we, we live in a time where coaches are expected to work, and when they're done working, work some more, and when they get done with that, work a little bit more, and that work usually means recruiting. And there are, there are a couple of dead periods now where guys don't do that. But Mike Leach was just hanging out in Key West at his house down there. John Cohen didn't go to the Palouse. Yeah to sit down with Mike Leach at his house or some off-campus setting where he was interrupting him combing through recruiting rankings for the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. He he flew to Key West, where Leach was hanging out barefoot and out by the pool and riding his bike to talk about being the head coach at Mississippi State. Is that going to change now that he's in the SEC? I don't think, I think so. you kind of know what you're getting, right? Yeah, you 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 are. You know, this is a buyer beware kind of situation. You you know going in that you are not getting a guy that's going to work ninety hours a week. Uh, are there ninety hours in a week? There are not eighty hours a week. Uh, trying to, to to you know to talk about football, he's going to take time for his interests, and, and that's just that's just part of the game. But and we keep coming back to this this thing, and I feel like I've said it like eight times. It doesn't really matter because he wins. And and you made the point. You know, what if he doesn't win? Well, when you don't win, that's when people start saying, "Okay, it's funny that you're eccentric, but could you win more?" But it has not been a problem for Mike Leach in his career for the most part. He has just kept winning, and therefore people put up with his uh, his uh, his his odd tastes. How many different versions of a bulldog with an eye patch are we going to see in the next week? 
A ton. Bully Bully was at the airport uh, with one on the uh, the not the live mascot, the, uh, the fake mascot. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> of course he was. That's awesome. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will take a quick timeout. Be back with you. Fun Thursday afternoon. Sit tight. Jerry and Brookhaven, I forgot the details of Leach's run-in with the TV sports guy over his treatment of the guy's son who was on Leach's team at Texas Tech. Craig James is who you were talking about. At one point, he was on College Game Day. He is a complete buffoon. Loud conspiracy theory by Craig James. Just my opinion, though. Not going to put that out on the air, but Google it. It's fun. Craig James conspiracy theory? Yeah. Wasn't his son kind of like reputation of being a bit of a prima donna and thinking that he should be treated different because he was Craig James' son also? I don't want to misspeak here and spread misinformation, but I believe the crux of that is that it was a dark, like some kind of room in their football facility having to do with concussion-related treatment, and they were trying to railroad Leach over playing time. Yeah, history has looked much better on Leach in that situation than Craig James. Yeah. Yeah. You never heard the Craig James conspiracy theory? I have, but I've forgotten it. Okay. Brian and Clarksdale, here's what we're going to do. Let's uh, let's open up the phone lines. The Farm Bureau phone lines, 888-808-8637. You are sending text messages to the C Spire text line at a rate that I cannot keep up with them. So I'm trying to kind of cherry pick some of those along the way. If we don't get to the message, I apologize. We're trying to cover a bunch of different angles. 888-808-8637, 888-808-8637. That's the number for the Farm Bureau phone line. You want to jump in and talk? Now's your chance. If you're a Mississippi State fan, uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you're a fan of LSU, uh, whoever it is, I'm curious your reaction to Mike Leach as the head coach. I'm particularly interested. Hey, Dad made reference to this earlier. Uh, said that there was a, uh, a a thread on, I think it was the six-pack message board, where there were over 200, 200 responses of people saying, you know what, I'm out. I'm not buying season tickets anymore. I'm not going to continue to give money to the Bulldog Club. Did this get you back? If, if you were one of those people, are you willing to say it and then say, you know what, I'm back in? Would love to hear from you, but just again, your general reactions on uh, on this hire. We'll uh, we'll try to work through some phone calls again. The number triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. A question from Brian on the ceasefire text line: Can you walk us through Mike Leach's coaching stops? Sure. Nineteen eighty seven. I I don't have a call screen, Borky. I'm sorry. Um, nineteen eighty seven offensive line coach at Cal Poly. In 1988, the following year, he was a linebacker's coach at College of the Desert. In 1989, he was the head coach of the Pori Bears, P-O-R-I Bears, which was part of the American Football Association of Finland. Again, it's not the most conventional route to a major head coaching job. Things changed in 1989. 1989 to 1991, Mike Leach served as the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Iowa Wesleyan. And that is where the air raid was born. 
Next two years, worked at Valdosta State as the offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, and quarterback coach, and then added offensive line to the duties from 94 to 96, and then how Mummy got the job at Kentucky. Mike Leach spent two years at Kentucky as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, went from Kentucky to Oklahoma, was on Bob Stoops' staff for one year, 1999. Same position, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and he's been a head coach ever since. 2000 to 2009 at Texas Tech, out of coaching for three years before he was hired by Bill Moose. I think that was the AD's name at Washington State. He's been there since 2012, and obviously today he becomes the head coach at Mississippi State. 139 wins, 90 losses as a head coach. He has a 7-8 and eight record in bowl games. John in Louisville, you're on the Farm Bureau phone line. What's up, John? What's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Listen, uh, I'm a Mississippi State fan, man. Went to my first game when I was four. I'm a season ticket holder, so I would love nothing more for them to find the right guy and for it to work. But I have a really hard time getting behind this hire. I didn't like the search from the beginning. thought it was kind of sloppy. And after they missed on Napier and missed on Judge, I felt like this is sort of a reach and maybe reactionary to what happened with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin as far as trying to grab the headline. I just, when I look at their current roster, I just don't see a fit. I don't see any players on their roster that are able to really truly fit what he wants to do offensively. And then my biggest question for him is, is he going to be able to recruit the guys to fit his system? That's the biggest thing, because if he can't get the guys in there to fit his system, then it's never going to work. He's proven that he doesn't like to recruit. I think his highest-ranked recruiting class at Washington State was 42. And so, you know, that's just a little concerning to me. I, I know the name. I know the Hey, John, John let me ask, let me ask you something. Given you said lifelong Mississippi State fan, given that this is now the guy, how long are you willing to kind of be patient to see if it will work? You know, I considering how quick they were able to or willing to pull the trigger on Joe Moorhead, I think that patience is a thing that a lot of state fans don't really have because they've seen well if it's not working, we'll make a change quick. With me, you know, obviously I would give him maybe one, two recruit classes to see, okay, is he really going to be able to recruit well? And if he is and gain some positive momentum there, maybe, you know, you're a little bit more patient. But, you know, beyond two, three years, I think I think that's probably a time frame that you're looking at there. John, thanks for the call, man. Good to hear from you this afternoon. Thanks. Let's go to Lynn in Pontotoc, I think. Hey, Lynn. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Love the show. Good, what's up? Big state fan. Uh, hey, I just wondering with uh with the two highs that the state and Ole Miss has both made, does this make Mississippi one of the one of the most interesting states in college football for the upcoming season? I think so, especially in a place where you're going to have teams that are not necessarily going to be competing to be part of the college football playoff. There's an right, argument I mean, to be it's just, the most it, fascinating. It gives us a little bit more national exposure, and it just. It seems like it'll be good for the state as a whole. Uh, anyway, I, I love the show. I, I'm really rooting for Leach and everybody. And uh, y'all keep up the good work. We'll listen to you. Thanks, Lynn. Hey, Dad Borky, do you guys agree with that? Uh, I just answered a, a texter that asked about Mississippi having the two most intriguing coaches in the country. I don't think there's another state that can match the the intrigue and the interest that this state can as far as two coaches. Um, yeah, I mean. LSU is going to be in the national. On, no. Yeah. Maybe, but who do they have pairing them up there, Borky? Right, it's Orgeron, right? Yeah, LSU. Yeah. But 
LSU is going to be in the national championship game, and the biggest story in Atlanta here in a few months will be the state of Mississippi. Yeah. What, Dabo and Muschamp? Is that the best duo I can come up with? You know, I don't. There's no one else? Off the top of my head. Well, yeah. and watch and see what happens in two, three years if they're both around and they're, it's both going well. Yeah. And how the landscape has changed, the SEC has changed, like, on top of it. I'm not saying, like, Saban's retiring anytime soon. What happens at Auburn? Is LSU able to sustain this? Like, big what ifs there, but it could have potential to be fascinating for a few years, not just next year, in my opinion. Um, Ben Ingram, earlier I saw tweeted that uh, it was like, hey, is this the return of Mississippi Mayhem? I mean, that was the the famous Sports Illustrated cover from the 2014 season. Look, I don't think either of these programs are at a spot where you can replicate 2014 right now. But the thing that both programs have now, among the fan bases, and we'll see how long it lasts, right? I mean... Short attention spans in college football and even shorter patience spans. But both programs right now have hope. For sure. And everybody's talked about the Egg Bowl today, right? Oh, the Egg Bowl's going to be awesome. And not for the stupid reasons. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. But in these two guys, we'll get there. Just give us time. I, but but you know what I mean is, <laughs> I mean, this is the first time in a, in a couple of years now, a few years, where the storyline around the Egg Bowl wasn't something stupid. Now people are excited to watch the game, not because what player is going to do what fake PP celebration next. It's holy crap! There may be a bunch of points, and it may actually be good quality football, and not stupid outside storylines that fuel the actual interest around the game. It's also an interesting field where these two have a previous history and seem to be like not like Star- like if, if Mississippi State had hired Sarkeesian, like it seems to be from everything I've read, he and Kiffin are actually like close friends. But even on some level here, they appear to be acquaintances and fond of each other, which kind of adds an interesting ripple to that. Question here on the ceasefire text line: Will it take at least two years before Leach can recruit players to run his offense because they are not there right now? I don't think it takes two years. Look at the class of 2021. The class of 2021 in the state of Mississippi has, I think, four four four-star receivers. Mississippi State's chances of signing some of those guys just went up today. So, And plus, his his recruiting, he's taken guys off the streets and turned them into stars. It's not like he's been recruiting four- and five-star guys to put up these numbers. So, yeah, he within MSU's traditional recruiting profile, he can find players. Will in Starkville says, I'm a student about to attend football games coached by Mike Leach. Is this real life? Follows it up with MSU didn't miss on Judge. He took a better job. They didn't miss on Napier. He didn't want the job. And the narrative that MSU hired Leach to get back or match the media exposure from Ole Miss is utterly baffling and stupid. Ceasefire text line. Wrapping up the second hour of the show. Good to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. If you missed any of the show today, you can always go back and listen on demand and uh, download it wherever you get your podcast. Probably want to catch the Thunder and Lightning podcast. That would be uh, Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. That's the one where they break down in detail 
Last night's basketball game at Coleman Coliseum between Mississippi State and Alabama. <laughs> well, that was on uh, uh, yesterday, or I guess it is technically still today. We have two podcasts for today. So, and, and, and detail would be a. Uh, Did you a, actually a, talk a about misnomer. basketball on one of them? Yeah, we talked about on the on the one that was up this morning. We talked about we talked about more big picture stuff because obviously neither one of us had watched the game. The but, difference uh, in listenership, I bet, is pretty substantial. Uh, let me. I'd be willing to give that a look. <laughs> Probably so. The other, the other the other one's only been up for what like two hours or so. I would uh, bet that the one that's been up two hours has been listened to more than the basketball podcast that went up this morning. Well, the, the, it wasn't just basketball. We talked about the coaching search in the oh, uh, first, like twenty minutes of the podcast. Okay, yeah, it wasn't just basketball. Did you have fun at your wrestling thing last night? At my like. I had fun at the event I went to. Yes, the the AEW event. Yes, it was fantastic. I had a really really good time. Did you sit on the front row? What was the largest piece of furniture I, thrown at someone? Uh, so they two two women went through a table. So that Ooh. was probably it. Mm. You sat on the front uh, row. Is that right? Guys, row two. Row two. Did uh, did your family watch to see if they could see you on television? Uh, I don't know if my wife did, uh, but I know a bunch of my friends, and I got a lot of people on Twitter like, "Oh my God, there you are!" So should have taken the shirt off. Ooh. Well, the shirt was was making me noticeable. I wore an orange San Francisco Giant shirt. So was that intentional? I mean, did you spend a lot of time it trying to decide what you were going to wear to the wrestling thing last night? You ripped off Marlins, man. No, way I just to go. <laughs> No, I didn't put a whole lot of time and effort into it. I just grabbed a polo out of the uh, the closet. Yeah, I was convinced that you were like wearing a Megadeth shirt or something like that. No, I don't listen to Megadeth. Nothing against Dave Mustaine, but uh, not my not my cup of tea. It's just the only like legit hard rock black t shirt band I could think of that you know. <laughs> There's plenty of them. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I don't like black t shirts because I have a white cat, and that's just not a good mix. <laughs> David in the social says it's fake. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that, but it was a lot of fun. Had a good time. How would um? Oh, here we go. Richard judges people who like wrestling like state fans judge him. I don't judge anybody who judge. likes wrestling. We Borky, honestly, tell Hey Dad we talked about wrestling yesterday. Yeah, and he actually knew a lot, like surprisingly a lot. I'm interested in it. I don't understand anything about it. I would love to people watch one of those things. So, hey, Dad, what is like the liquid courage of choice? Like, is a bunch of dudes pounding fence posts, or is it like liquor? How does that work? <laughs> there was a lot of beer being sold at the uh, Lander Center last night. The guy sitting next to uh, us, my group, was pounding what, what appeared to be bourbon and Cokes. Okay. So. Ooh. It's heavy for uh, I got some stories about that guy. That guy thought it was real. I promise you that. That was a it's still real to me kind of guy. Unrelated, but I had a guy at a Pearl Jam concert one time took his shirt off towards the end, and that thing stayed off for a while. Mm. He's actually waving it around like a towel. Look, if you just happen to be tuning in and going, what in the world? Just just, just bear with just us. Just go with us for this few we, minutes We just here. needed a six-minute reprieve. We're coming right back to the college football fix. I honestly couldn't bring myself to going into a discussion of that basketball game from last night in much the same way. 
I really couldn't bring myself to us going into a deep discussion of the Ole Miss game against Texas A&M the night before. It was bad basketball, so just bear with us for a second. Hey, Dad. Yeah. So on yes. the, the wrestling thing, yeah. you grew up in Vicksburg. You may not have seen this, but I grew mm-hmm. up. And I, I beyond this, I was never a wrestling guy. But Saturday morning, after the cartoons ended, you got the Saturday morning World Championship Wrestling, the WCW in Memphis. Absolutely. Me, my dad and I watch that stuff every weekend. Wait, you could get that in Vicksburg? Yeah. Well, you got wrestling. You got you got you had the NWA on on the Superstation. No, 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 no. I'm Memphis talking about Saturday wrestling. morning out of Memphis, like the local version. Oh yeah, yeah. And they had yeah. their they had their guys on. That was that was what they honored those guys last night. They honored uh, Lance Russell and Dave Brown. They mentioned Dave Brown the there, King, but obviously he couldn't be there. Yes, he he called a match on national television last night. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I hate I missed it. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mike in Oxford wants to know if you will invite Mike Leach to the next wrestling event that you attend. 100%. Mid-South Wrestling is what it was called. We'll take a quick timeout, get back to the college football after this. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. We opened up the Farm Bureau phone lines a little earlier for you and encourage you to check out favrates.com and go with the home team. That's Mississippi Farm Bureau. You're dealing with local agents, people that are uh, the people that you do business with. Maybe they do business with you. They're the people you see at the ballpark. They're the people that you bump into at church. Uh, You run into them at the grocery store. Folks just like you. They just happen to work in the insurance business, and it's... I'm just speaking from personal experience. Um, I've been a uh, a member, a Mississippi Farm Bureau member for uh, for several years now, and the service that I have gotten when we've had issues, whether it's claims or just questions, has been unparalleled. It's been better than any service I've ever had before, and uh, they're great to do business with. Mississippi Farm Bureau, favrates.com. You can get a quote on your auto insurance, your home insurance, or you can do what I did. You can bundle the coverage that you've got and uh, save money as a result. That's the Farm Bureau phone line, favorites.com. Go with the home team. Richard Cross, Michael Borgie, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Let's do a little bit of a reset as we begin the 5 o'clock hour with you. But first, we'll tell you this is the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com to start your search for a Ford SUV. Savings that uh, you can um, you can take advantage of, whether it's the Ford Explorer or the Expedition. I don't guess I, I mean I guess we can talk about this. I keep seeing little blurbs that the Bronco, the Ford Bronco, is going to make a comeback. I've been seeing those teases for a few years now, but I'm here for it when it happens. Anyway, drive it like a Ford. Drive an SUV the way it is meant to be driven. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Some of you just getting off of work, perhaps jumping into the car and uh, trying to catch up on the news. Earlier today, Mississippi State announced that Mike Leach would be the next head football coach. A week ago, uh, John Cohen announced that... um, 
Joe Moorhead was not being retained as the head coach after two seasons and a, a couple of wins over Ole Miss and a couple of trips to bowl games, but some discipline issues. Wanted to get a guy that was going to have a hard edge, that was going to focus on discipline, that was going to be a good football coach. Would like to see somebody with head coaching experience but refused to paint himself into a corner. Also refused to paint himself into a corner on in terms of a timeline. Hey, Dad, I think there's been so much focus on this particular search One, because there's nothing else going on right now in terms of college football. We had to wait 16 days between the college football playoff and the national championship game, and so there's been nothing in terms of news to fill the void. And so a week-long search really felt more like a month-long search. This one to that, I think, you know, because so many people were just like, this is dragging out, it's dragging out, what's taking so long? It took exactly the same amount of time that Ole Miss took with, with Lane Kiffin. It took six days. Um, you know, I think people expected John Cohen to uh, call the press conference on Friday. Hey, I'm firing Joe Moorhead, and let me open this door right here. Here's the new coach. It, it just doesn't work that way. I felt like, you know, he had his list of candidates. He went through them. Um, he had, I think he was prepared to offer the job to Napier, but Napier wasn't interested. I think he was prepared to offer the job, or maybe he did even know offer the job. Joe Judge, but the Giants plucked him away, and then he went to Mike Leach, and he got his man. I mean, I don't know what more you could want from a coaching search than than ending up with a and, quality improvement. And in fairness, seemed like he talked to a lot of other people as well. In you yeah, know, in terms of who did. was offered the job or who did he want to offer the job to, we don't know. But there, there's good reporting, some of it ours that. He talked to a bunch of people in the last week. Well, and I think the difference in coaching searches now than maybe 10 years ago with all the social media nonsense and all that is there's so many ways to get information, whether it be accurate or inaccurate. If you don't land your first or second guy, it's like apparently it's become out of control or crazy or a disaster to whereas like state on a lesser scale, but much less Tennessee, like they got raked over the coals for that. Some of it rightfully so because they had some discontent with Phil Fulmer basically orchestrating a coup, but it seems like they landed a good coach. So whereas like 10, 15 years ago, if you didn't get your first or second target, I feel like it was nobody knew. Known. But now it's not a secret. But that doesn't mean your search is out of control either. Like this is probably the way things have happened for, you know, twenty something years, and, but and, now it's every step of the way is profiled so closely. And and guys, college football is such a unique thing, right? Because it it's not for a lot of people, college football is their escape. That's their passion. That's where they want to spend their extra money. That's where they desperately want their team to win. Maybe I should say that's where we want, you, you know, however you want to want to phrase it. But it's different than everything else. It's not like a committee that you're on at church. It's not like the project you're working on at work. Um, it's not like the family drama that you're having to deal with. College football is your escape. And when your escape is kind of in limbo, your level of anxiety goes up and you want to know. And that's why you keep hitting refresh on that message board and you keep, you know, living on Twitter and trying to figure out if there's any information out there. But I guess the parallel that I'm trying to draw here, college football is unique in that there is no other scenario in the working world where the decisions are this important and there's this much money tied up in it, where you expect decisions to be made as quickly and as accurately 
as fans expect in a coaching search. I mean, think about it. If you if you got to go hire a new executive vice president for your consulting company, and it's somebody that you're going to pay four million dollars because they're going to be in charge of a fifty million dollar budget and a product that generates revenue that far exceeds that, and it's incredibly public facing. There's no way you're deciding on that person in six days when you start from scratch. And I assume you also interview, uh, you know, double-digit candidates. It, and I know why it doesn't happen, and it never will. But I do the, the parallels between a college coaching search and uh, we've seen a few NFL coaching searches now, where the official Cleveland Browns Twitter account, the official New York Giants Twitter account, and all their media platforms and their website will say, "We're interviewing this coach today." We're interviewing this coach tomorrow. And all of it is played out very publicly, and there's never any panic, as you mentioned, or or worry. It's all done very officially and publicly. And it's not going to happen in college, and I know why. And also, everybody just wants to make sure they get their guy because they interviewed one guy and that's it, and recruiting and stuff. But I find that incredibly refreshing, that NFL teams are, we are interviewing Matt Rule today and Joe Judge tomorrow. I love that. Yeah, but like college football, I mean, colleges in general just kind of operate in secrecy and paranoia and all that. It's where like NFL, like professional organizations just kind of accept that there's no hiding this information. It's going to be found somewhere. So they just put it out from their own in house media yeah. wing as well. But it also uh, eliminates all of the panic and firestorm and all that because when it's like not transparent and there's a level of opaqueness and people don't actually know what's going on is when you get stuff like you know dudes announcing steve sarkeesian and dudes announcing billy napier on a given sunday or a tuesday when they don't actually know what the hell they're talking about ceasefire text line the excitement surrounding leach and kiffin's hirings makes this the cool kind of circus doesn't it Without a doubt. Yeah. Because isn't it... Be, I mean, these guys are both really quirky and, and unique in di- very different ways, but it, isn't what makes these hires so great is not necessarily because Mike Leach will say goofy stuff at a press conference. It's because Mike Leach in Lubbock, Texas, which I've been to Lubbock, Texas, it is a horrendous mm, place. Um, I, I can't stand it. I felt like I was in a different world. Um, won football games there. And for Lane Kiffin's faults, and I mean, he got fired on the tarmac at Southern Cal and stuff like that. He's exciting because he's a good football coach, and there's a potential of him winning football games at Ole Miss. That's what makes these guys exciting at the end of the day. I know they're names and they have backgrounds and stuff, but it's because there's a real chance that the teams are good. Last night I had it just randomly observing, hey, Dad, it seems like now that the Cohen discipline stuff and the first thing was a way to just message to his fan base that like what was going on isn't acceptable. It's like, I like this hire. I think it'll be fun. But you don't think of Iron Fist when you think of Mike Leach either. No, but he's he's been a guy who hasn't been afraid to tell his – he's definitely not the kind of coach that players can push around, which I think that's what the fear was with Moorhead. For sure. Especially not if they have fat little girlfriends. <laughs> fat little girlfriends, hell no. I was at a uh, a meeting this afternoon with, well, I'll tell the story in a minute. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
This has been this picture has been making its way around the uh, internet. I think Matt Fortuna was the uh, first one that tweeted it. The forward from Mike Leach's book that was written in conjunction with uh, Bruce Feldman, "Swing Your Sword," which was a New York Times bestseller. It reads: "Forward: The importance of peeing on the dog." Either pee on the dog or the dog pees on you, I guess. Man, Barstool or said one of the guys from Barstool did a, a hilarious, it's like a 12-minute long video explaining why Elijah Moore's fake pee-pee is why the state of Mississippi was out $24 million paying coaches buyouts, and it doesn't work that way, but still, it, it's hysterical. Hey, Dad, let's, uh, I said a second ago we were going to kind of press the reset button and we got off a little bit kind of talking about some other things. But um, this day, how do you describe the importance of this day for Mississippi State? It's important in terms of it felt like your football program was getting away from you, that you had gone through a decade with Dan Mullen, basically, and he had built the program to the point where it should have been sustainable going forward, and it felt like in two years that that was starting to slip away. Bringing in Mike Leach makes you feel like you're going to get a handle back on that and that you are going to be, you know, continue going to bowls and winning games and being competitive. Going to bowls and winning games and being competitive which has happened each of the last two years, but the momentum had slipped. Right? Wouldn't you argue the competitive oh, no part didn't really that. happen, though? The competitive part against, you know, some of the, the against the better teams in the SEC was not happening as well. You know, you've got run off the field both games against LSU, both games against Alabama, this year against Auburn. Uh, it, it, you, yeah, you could definitely, you definitely felt that, yeah. Chad from Greenwood on the C Spire text line. I saw Brian on TV last night. I am an Ole Miss fan. I respect the Mike Leach hire. He will have to hire a great defensive coordinator, though. This is not the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. This is the toughest conference, our toughest division, the toughest conference. What does Mike Leach need in a defensive coordinator? I think it might be the other way around, Richard. I think what does a defensive coordinator need in Mike Leach? And what he needs is to be left alone. Uh, I think back to Mullen, and, you know, I always felt like he had a uh, he had a hand in the defense with Manny Diaz, Chris Wilson, going all those guys, Jeff Collins. And then he got Todd Grantham on board, and I think Grantham made it very evident that he was coming and it was his defense and that was just how life was going to be. Well, then all of a sudden you got the number, you get a top ten defense. And he set the stage for having the number one defense the next year. And I think Moorhead sort of left Shoop to his own devices as well. So you you, you need that commitment, I guess, that, hey, I, I this is my side of the ball. Let me have it. You know, sort of the uh, the remember the Titans kind of thing, I guess. And But beyond that, he just needs a, he needs a, a defensive coordinator who sort of embodies the same thing he does. You know, Mike, Mike Leach is an aggressive coach. He's going to want an aggressive coach. Coordinator, a guy who is not content to sit back and read and react and you know sort of pick it apart. He's going to want a guy who wants to blitz, who wants to you know to gamble the same way that he does. I think we had somebody earlier ask us to rank the SEC West solely based on the coaches. 
And it's honestly a little challenging. Saban is clearly number one. Sam Pittman is clearly number seven. Would you agree with those two? I don't see how you can disagree. All right, who's number two for you? In the West, in terms of like what they've proven in their coaching right career? R- rank, no, just, just rank the seven coaches right now in the SEC West. Well, coaching career is how we based it, or how you wrote it down. I guess, yeah. Because you said Jimbo has a natty. I mean, it, oh, doesn't. Yeah, but I ended up putting no second. Based on their oh, career. Okay. Yeah, but based on their career, Jimbo would be second, and I would have Orgeron third. But based on like who I think is going to win going forward, if I was making like an actual rankings, Orgeron should be second. And then here's the order Fisher that I went on. Okay, I, I went Saban, Eddie O, Jimbo, Gus, Leach, Kiffin, Pittman. Yeah. Now I didn't stop right there. I put a dash mark. I almost did the that this like a buy sell hold or like stock is rising, falling, or flat. I got Saban's stock is flat right now. I, I don't mean that as a negative. It's just they're not playing for the national championship this year. That's what's expected from him at Alabama. He's just clearly at the top of the list, but not like ascending today. Ed Ogeron at number two and ascending. I've got Jimbo going down a little bit. Now, that could easily change next year or the year after, but it's been a while since he's won a national championship, and his teams haven't been great since he won a national championship at Florida State, but he's in that third position. I've got Gus fourth, but I've got him fourth because he's played in a national championship game. And they're pretty good at Auburn every year. They are below what Auburn fans expect, but they're pretty good every year. I put Leach fifth, and I've got him there because he has twice been named a National Coach of the Year. And he's got a couple of 11-win seasons on his resume. And he's been doing it for really a really long time at a pretty high level. Kiffin is behind. And, and by the way, with Leach, I went with the, the flat sign. Yes, there's a ton of excitement about him right now, but he's coming off a 6-7 and seven season. Two years ago, there was an 11-win season. But as we sit today... I wouldn't say necessarily stock rising or stock falling, just kind of steady. Kiffin, I've got it sixth. Obviously, there's a smaller body of work. You don't have the the type seasons at places like Texas Tech and Washington State that Leach has had, but I've got his stock rising because he's done the best job really of anywhere that he's been in the last three seasons at FAU. And then I've got Pittman with just a big old fat question mark out beside his name. Because who knows? Can we all be on board with the seven in that order? Or or would you make adjustments? I'm okay with with that order. Obviously, it's very much subject to subject to change. I mean, this the only real adjustments you can make is two through four, right? The rest of these dudes haven't coached a game in the SEC yet. Tim and McGee says, I've got Kiffin ahead of Leach because he's been in the SEC. One year at Tennessee. Oh, assistant at Alabama. With the national championship ring and has been an NFL head coach 
and has been a head coach at Southern Cal. Again, I think I've got Leach just ahead of Kiffin, and it's because of longevity. And plus, if you're going to go down that route, I mean, Leach coached at Kentucky. He also won a national championship at uh, at Oklahoma. Mm, did he? It was the next year. Oh, you're they won right. The national he was on 2000. Yeah, they won yeah. The next year. Yeah, they won. Yeah, you're correct. It's not an easy exercise. Yeah, Rippy is right in that. You know, one is is locked in, seven is locked in, and then two through four is really your only question because all four of those guys, now that Orgeron's playing on Monday, will have played at least played for a national title. Yeah, yeah. And Jimbo beat. I mean, remember Auburn was up twenty-one to three in that game and kind of just fumbled yeah. it away. So you're talking about a head-to-head matchup there. Fair enough. Patrick and Tupelo. Miles. He says, I've got Miles on ahead of the idiot in Baton Rouge. What? Miles coaches at Kansas. Miles doesn't coach in the SEC West. I think he's trying to say uh, he's Malzahn probably trying to say twice, Malzahn. Yeah. yeah. You're reading the whole tweet. So. I hope that's not an autocorrect where he called him Satan. I want that to be that he went and did that. Okay. So Malzahn has been competing every year with Saban and won a national title. The idiot hasn't won one yet. Yeah, my one disagreement. Malzahn has not won a national title. He played in one and lost as he won as an, to Jimbo. I still might put Gus ahead. He also he won one as an offensive coordinator. He was the okay. offensive coordinator in, in Cam Newton's uh, senior year. Yeah, but I mean, year. we're talking about as a head coach, right? Yeah, by that standard, I mean, has like three, right? N- n- now, now Kiffin starts bumping up the list, and you have to shuffle things around a little bit. Quinn says, is it true that Leach's first order of business is to improve the visiting team's locker room? They already have. Me and Hayden had opposite. this discussion on Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's actually yeah. Quite, quite the opposite. The visiting though. locker room is now worse. Mississippi State's locker room from a year ago. Right? Or two years it's gonna ago? It's going to be much worse, though, now. They're, 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 gonna, they're just going to put up a couple of uh, porta johns out there and you can dress outside. <laughs> Go rip out all the carpet, rip out all the lockers, and put some nails in the wall. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick time out. I'll be right back with you. Fascinating article today in The Advocate, which is Louisiana-based newspaper. For my money, and I know sports sections have kind of gone by the wayside, it's the best newspaper sports section in this part of the country. Scott Rabelais was the, uh, was the author of the story, and it was a one-on-one, pretty candid interview with former LSU Athletics Director Joe Oliva. If you want to read the entire article, you can. I mean, the the, the point of the article was yeah, Joe Oliva deserves a little bit of credit for where LSU is as a program right now. But there were two or three quotes in the story that I think you would probably describe as money quotes, and they really kind of caught my attention. And we were just kind of ranking the coaches in the SEC West one through seven a minute ago. Joe Oliva didn't want one of those coaches in, at least not at his school. On the prospect of hiring Jimbo Fisher at LSU, here's what Joe Oliva said to Scott Rabelais. 
I still have a lot of friends in the ACC. Remember, he little editorial comment, he was athletics director at Duke. I talked to them, and after that, I didn't want any part of Jimbo. I would never have hired Jimbo. He was never on my radar. Now, fans and some people in the department wanted him, but I never wanted him. I could have made a change at the end of the 2015 season. I recommended not to, because I would have been forced to hire Jimbo. I would rather have had less. But if I didn't hire him, the outcry would have been ridiculous. So we had that meeting during the Texas A&M game, and I made the recommendation to keep Miles. How about that? I wish they would have asked him what scared you about Jimbo. Well, maybe, maybe they did. And he's like, I don't want to get it. I don't, I don't know. That is interesting, though, isn't it? Because, and it's still too early. I know, I know, but things have not been perfect at Texas A and M, and Florida State was an absolute dumpster fire that he left behind, and now they're looking for another coach directly, indirectly, as a result. So whoever in the ACC told him to be weary of Jimbo Fisher, probably some good advice. And genuine, because if anything, they like you'd probably want him out of the ACC. Joe Oliva on Tom Herman. He would have come. I didn't want to pay him what it would have taken. But I think we could have gotten him. You remember all the drama back and forth leading up to that game with Memphis that Houston was playing when Tom Herman was there and was the head coach? A lot of stuff leaked by agents trying to kind of force Texas's hand. Didn't want to pay him what it would have taken. Joe Oliva on Ed Ogeron. I thought he had the best chance to recruit the state. He's a great motivator, and he's very well organized. I thought he had all the characteristics to be a head coach, though he had failed before at Ole Miss. The fact he failed before was a real positive, actually, because some of the best coaches ever failed initially. The fact he was willing to change was a real positive. That's the reason I hired him. He had the humility to realize why he failed. That pushed me over the edge when it came down to it. Parenthetically here, does anyone remember that actually being how it happened? No. And the reason that Ed Ogeron convinced Joe Oliva that he was to hire him was because he convinced him that Lane Kiffin was going to be his offensive coordinator. And they missed on Tom Herman. Whatever he wants to say, it, they wanted to hire him and didn't. Or couldn't. This guy was at Texas, right? Well, he was at Houston at the time. Right. And then went to Texas. He went on to say, when Ed and I talked about the job, never once did we talk about salary. His agent would never talk salary. Other guys, all they wanted to talk about was their pay. Ed wanted the job so bad, he would have taken it for nothing. I actually kind of believe that. Joe Oliva on Les Miles. The sad thing is it should have been that way for a long time. Think of the players Les Miles squandered and didn't utilize properly. Talking to Les was like talking to a wall. The key in getting to a championship level is utilizing talented players. It's that simple. LSU played for a national championship under Les Miles. They won one under Les they Miles. They won one and played for two. That's right. That's uh, But, I mean, to his point, they had a bad uh, passing offense with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the same wide receiver group. It's kind of hard to do. 
Kansas it, isn't a laughing stock under. No, that's Les. true. Like he, I don't think Oliva was a great AD. And finally, Joe Oliva on Will Wade. I got some Here bad recommendations on that guy. My perception on why I'm not the athletic director there is because some people use the situation with Wade. I loved my experience at LSU. The only negative about my time at LSU is the way it ended. My 11 years there were great. I enjoyed every minute of them. He's still being paid by LSU, by the way. He also looks like that guy in Law and Order, just a side note. It is true. That might be one of those uh, situations then where he might, I mean, I guess he did a little bad mouthing there, but not of anybody. I guess, well, he, he, he had he just bad mouthed Will Wade, Will Wade, so never mind. Never mind that idea. Well, Will Wade and the FBI probably cost him his job, so I get it. Yeah. But how about admitting not I did a poor job background checking him. I got some bad recommendations on that guy. Why did you hire him? Because he got bad recommendations that were positive. Oh, I see what he's no, saying. That's, yeah, I think, I, think, I think, yeah, he's not saying that he got recommendations like that guy's a loser and a crook and a cheater. He got recommendations like, oh, that guy's great. And he, yeah. he bought into them. Yeah. So, so the takeaways are, I didn't want any part of Jimbo. I would have never hired Jimbo. He was never on my radar. Ed Ogeron, glowing comments. Think of the players Les Miles squandered and didn't use proper, utilize properly. Talking to Les was like talking to a wall. Okay, question. If, if Orgeron sucks last year and they fire him like most people were predicting because we jumped the gun on everything in this business, what do you think his comments are on Les, I mean, on uh, Ed Orgeron today? I think it's the same? They're different. No, they're different. Felt like the team pigeonholed me into it. There was rumors we, we felt like there would be a mass revolt if we didn't hire Ed. We just Too hired him to stay in the ship and see what swell. would happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you should do this <laughs> now, for a living. That was now fantastic. They're for, now they're playing for a title. I saw something that no one else saw in him. <laughs> You know, we've we've gone back and forth talking about different coaches in the West. Text message here. Lane Kiffin helped transition Bama's offense. Without Kiffin, is Bama as competitive as they are now? I don't know about competitive because they did bludgeon you over the head with running and defense for a long time. But is Bama have the receiving core they have and play the style they do without Kiffin? It's probably the better way to ask that. Yeah. No. Does that answer no? Probably, but, I mean, they're winning both ways. And Nick Saban's smart enough to where if it wasn't Kiffin, he would have found somebody that would have opened up his offense some, right? I mean, that was inevitable. It just happened to be that guy that did it. Well, I'm old enough to remember in 15 when he complained about spread offenses and RPOs. and Oh, Rippy, They were dangerous. And stuff. <laughs> it, it was, da- it was a, a safety hazard in college football, and they need to get rid of it immediately. So Mike Leach's first tweet as the head coach of Mississippi State. Hey, Dad. Very on brand. Well, I I retweeted it from the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, so yes, I have. Okay, well, it's not how everything pops up. I thought that's where we're going with that. Sorry, I missed it. Clanging on a cowbell with a drumstick, right? Got the Will Ferrell. 
Mississippi State fans have responded to that tweet as you would expect. Yeah. Very very pleased with that be the being the opening salvo on Twitter from Mike Leach as head coach of the Bulldogs. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. And don't forget to download the C Spire Health app. You can learn more at cspirehealth.com. But basically what it is, it's an app on your phone that is your connection to a doctor or a practitioner that can keep you from having to go to the doctor's office. And for a limited time, if you are a C Spire customer... You can have one of these online visits with a UMMC clinician for just $29, which is probably less than your copay with your current insurance provider. That's for a limited time, the $29 rate. But C Spire wants you to try it out. It's convenient. It's easy. If you're dealing with a cold or flu-like symptoms or a sinus infection or just kind of a regular everyday ailment, all you got to do, pull up the app, schedule an appointment, talk with a UMMC clinician. They can send your uh, your prescription, if it's necessary, to your pharmacy. You pick it up. You never have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line. And you don't have to soak up all those other germs. Check them out. cspirehealth.com. Download the Cspire Health app. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.